Welcome to Shelter Cove. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you find encouragement through today's message. For more information, check us out online at sheltercovelive.com or send us a text at 209-340-3115. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Pat Linnell. Happy to be with you today. I'm the founder of Grace Bomb, and I'm coming at you from the front of my house here in Maryland. I'm a teaching pastor, and I'm happy to share some of the Bible with you today and introduce you to Grace Bomb. A little bit about myself. I've been married for about 20 years to Kristen, and we have four awesome kids. Two boys, two girls, ranging from 13 to 6. So we're living that middle school to first grade dream, and it's epic. Now, I figured a fun way to break the ice would be a little guessing game. So I have three cars behind me. One is mine. Two, I borrowed from some friends. In the middle, we have the altogether practical, you know, suburban family minivan. We have an orange Lamborghini and we have a Ford F-150 Platinum Edition. Now, I'm just going to let you guess which car do you think I'm driving? All right. You got it? This might be surprising. If you guess the Lamborghini, you'd be absolutely wrong. I actually have some nicknames for these cars, so here's the truth. This is my life. That is maybe one day, and that's keep dreaming, buddy. Now, the reason that I borrowed some cars from some friends to show you, and I have a film crew outside of my house today, is to make a couple points. One, we as followers of Jesus are built just like these cars are built. These cars were assembled, manufactured, put together. These cars are also built with a purpose. And that's my second point for us today. As followers of Jesus, we've been built for a purpose. Now you might say, yeah, but Pat, like all cars have the same purpose, right? I mean, point A to point B, we're talking about transportation. I'll give you that, that's true. But if you take it one step down, the the manufacturers and the builders of these vehicles have an idea for the purposes they're gonna be used for. So when Honda put this together, they had in mind the family of six with the dog that's long outliving his life expectancy being packed in here for 10 days, Tetris style as much as you can get in. Hey, I could even get in full sheets of drywall with the seats out in my minivan. But the truck here, this is actually made for the drywall. This is made to pull a load, to pull a boat, to hook up, and to have some weight behind it. Now you head over to the Lamborghini. This, some would argue, is like a piece of art. This thing was made for speed and agility, maybe a little status or luxury, and that is this car's purpose. Speed, hauling a load, my life. And just as these cars have a specific purpose, so do we as followers of Jesus. I want to share that with you from Ephesians chapter 2 today. So let me grab my Bible here and share with you a couple passages that are going to be pretty familiar to you. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, you're probably familiar with this here, but Paul's basically saying God has done something amazing. He's transferring us out of 
a separated relational state with him and bringing us into a new life. That's what the beginning of Ephesians 2 talks about, going from death to life, but God breaking in and doing something on our behalf and offering this salvation as a gift. So God, the author of DNA, wraps himself in DNA in the person of Jesus on that first Christmas. He put on a body so that he was able to spread out that body as he hung on a tree. And that was like God saying, I love you this much. And that was a gift. And the only way we can receive a gift is simply to say, okay, thank you. I believe you and I trust you. And we activate that grace by faith by a wholehearted trust in the person and work of Jesus, that he restores us into a right relationship with our creator. But our main verse today is Ephesians 2.10, which follows by saying, for we are his workmanship. Now, when I think workmanship, my mind goes actually back to the orange Lamborghini because some would consider, I might even consider this vehicle a work of art. That word workmanship speaks to something assembled and put together with care, almost like arranged like a poem. And this care and putting together, spiritually speaking, has been done for us as we are called his workmanship. In other words, there's a phrase I like to use, and it's this. We are grace-built people. We're grace-built people. We didn't build ourselves. We didn't spiritually recreate ourselves. There wasn't anything religious we had to do or or heap up enough good works to be changed. God does all of the spiritual heavy lifting. He changes us in from the inside out by way of a gift. So we are grace-built people. And it's a pretty exciting proposition. Uh, This is a sermon for another day. But what's under the hood of a grace-built person? What's under the hood of a grace-built person is a new identity. You're a new creation. You have a supernatural fuel supply to draw from. You have immeasurable riches from the heavenly places. You are adopted and chosen and redeemed and forgiven and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, awaiting an inheritance kept in heaven for you. So much awesomeness is packed inside of being a grace-built person. But here's the question. If we're built as grace-built people, what are we built for? Are we built to haul something like a boat? Are we built to pack the family in and hit the soccer game? Are we built to hit 160? I don't know. Might happen later because the guy who let me borrow that Lamborghini said I could drive it home later. I'm not going to go that fast. Don't worry, Kristen. What are we built for? Well, thankfully, the rest of that verse goes on. And Paul says... For we are his workmanship, here we go, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, looking at this verse, I think good works are pretty self-explanatory. They're doing those actionable, awesome things for your neighbors. They're not just thinking about doing good, they're actually carrying out those things. So a grace-built person is made to carry out these good works. And check check these good works out. They've been prepared beforehand. That's a crazy thought to wrap your mind around. Because that means that God is somehow superintending and orchestrating the paths of your life so that you can walk into these good things that he's prepared for you. That's an amazing prospect and an amazing proposition. 
And look how that verse ends. We should walk in them. Here's the thing. You can be made for something, but it is on you to walk that purpose out. God's not going to force you to carry out good works, but it's something we should do because we were made for it. And there's a joy to be found in this simple obedience to what God would want us to do. And so I add another little phrase to grace built people. And it's this grace built people, grace bomb people. Now, typically bombs mess things up, but a grace bomb is an intentional act of love that's meant to brighten someone's day. This is us taking seriously living out those good works. So I'll say it one more time. Grace-built people, grace bomb people. And if you're familiar with the Bible at all, from the Old Testament to the New, that you know that we are commended and exhorted and even commanded to be about these good works in our life. We're told to abound in good works, to be fruitful in good works, to be zealous for good works, that our good works are like a sacrifice that is pleasing to the Lord and even our testimony to the onlooking world. And so the Bible's not silent when it when it calls us out to be, as Jesus would say, the light of the world. And so let me share with you that verse from Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I feel like Jesus is tapping into some metaphors here when he says, you're like a lamp that shouldn't be hidden. He's saying, be practical. You were lit with a light inside of you and that light is meant to shine. And that light isn't just some metaphorical weird spiritual thing. That light here according to Jesus is your good works. So he's saying be reasonable. Be practical. Let these things out. Don't stay inside. And you know a couple things about light. Light is warm and inviting. And grace is like that. And good works are like that too. They are warm and they are inviting. So Jesus says, my followers should be known for making other people feel good, welcome, invited, noticed and seen and loved. And it should feel great. And you should want to roll around in the warmth of that grace. And my grace should also reveal truth. It should point people to reality. There's so many people out in our world who are rubbing shoulders with her asking, why are we here? What are this? What is this life all about? What's the big purpose anyway? Is there anything behind this? These deep spiritual, soulful questions can begin to be answered by grace. The deep realities can begin to be revealed by love. It's amazing. And Jesus says, this is you. You are the light of the world. And even there in that verse, he mentions the end game of grace bombing. What's the end game of letting your light shine ultimately? It's that people would see your good works, not to be bragging or boastful, but rather that they would experience love and be pointed to the source of kindness and they would give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So the end game of grace bombing 
from grace-built people is the glory of God. It's us walking in our purpose and saying, yes, Jesus, I'm going to take you seriously. When you tell me to get after these good works, to be the light of the world and to begin to love my neighbor. Now, can I be real, absolutely real, just 100% for a second? I grew up in a church. I love the church and I love serving the church. And it is easy to talk about Jesus and do things for Jesus inside of the confines of these comfortable walls. I can tell you right now that I'm more comfortable here on my half of the court talking about Jesus than I am 10 yards to my left, your right, where my next door neighbors live and somehow breaking the spiritual ice and bringing up Jesus. It is easier to live here than to walk over there. And because of that, I want to introduce you to a very practical, helpful discipleship tool. That tool is Grace Bomb. And let me explain what Grace Bomb is. Well, Grace Bomb starts with this little card. This is a little card and it says Grace Bomb on the front. Uh, a little bomb, and this little bomb is a redemptive contrast because typically bombs use, are used to mess things up. But God redeems things. He takes things that are meant for evil and turns them to good. And so we use this little phrase to say, God is going to bless you. And it can be unexpected and disruptive and life-giving out of the clear blue sky. And you might not even have seen it coming. And that's why we use this little grace bomb card. And on the back, it says, you've been grace bombed. It's pretty simple. And this card is actually first and foremost for you. It's to remind you that you have been grace-bombed. That spiritually speaking, you're like the minivan that can pack up a family. You're like the Lamborghini that can go 160, 180 down the highway, or the truck that can pull a load. You have been given a supernatural fuel, fuel supply. supply. So many gifts and blessings because you get to walk with your creator by way of having received a gift, the gift of salvation in Jesus. That's a gift, that's a grace bomb. That reminds me, oh yeah, I've been grace bombed. And it also reminds me, I have neighbors because this is an icebreaker for your neighbor. And here's how this works, very practically speaking, this card accompanies your investment or your gift or your act of intentional kindness this card goes along with that, whether it's your time, your treasure, or your talent. Now, from your neighbor's perspective, this is a no-strings-attached operation. They were loved out of the blue. They received a gift or your help or something. But then when you pass along the card, what you're allowing them to do is you're allowing them, if they're interested or intrigued, to be pointed to the source of your kindness, Jesus himself. This coincides with a very simple little website that says a grace bomb is just the tip of the iceberg of when it comes to God's personal and soul satisfying love for them. So it's actually a pretty fun way to break the ice with a neighbor. Here's the instruction manual if you're wondering, okay, so that's what it is and kind of what it does. Well, how am I supposed to use it? Well, three words, load, listen, and let her go. Loading is simply having these cards on you. It's the mentality of being prepared and being aware of your neighbors, that perhaps God might have something for you to do and you might actually need a card. And I will admit, 
some days I leave the house, I see the cards, I do not take the card because I don't even feel like engaging people about Jesus at all. I want to go to work and do my little thing and stay in my bubble and I don't want to leave my bubble and I'm working on that. But when I take my cards, it's actually a decision to be prepared. I feel more like a missionary when I'm loaded. And then here's the second step. We listen. As we go about our everyday walk of life, whether it's Monday at the volleyball game, Tuesday on the soccer sideline, Wednesday in the cubicle, or where I take my lunch break, or I'm sitting in a coffee shop, it's listening and being prayerful those, for those still small promptings where God might tug on our hearts or nudge us to interrupt a neighbor's day in love. And then third and finally, we do what light does. Light has to activate, light has to love and we let her go. We let her go by getting out of our comfort zone and making that investment, whether it's our time, treasure, or talent, into our neighbor. So that's how it works. Load, listen, let her go. We are grace-built people meant to grace-bomb people, and receiving a taste of grace can be a game-changer for our neighbors. Case in point, about two years ago, right here in that driveway, I got home from a long day of work. And Scarlett, at that time she was seven years old, she runs up to the car and she says, pulls her little head over in the window, Dad, Dad, can you take me on a daddy-daughter date? I was like, oh, Scarlett, I really feel like taking a nap right now. But she won me over because admittedly she's got me wrapped around her little finger. And we had about an hour and a half before Kristen and I would take all the kids to kind of like a midweek Bible camp called Awana. Uh, it's actually a fun little life hack. Parents out there, you can drop your kids off for a couple hours and maybe you hit a date night. I don't know if that's how the church had intended it, but that's what we did that night. So I took Scarlett personally out to McDonald's. And then she said, as we're on our, in our way in and just leaving the car, she said, Dad, we should grace bomb somebody. And I wanted to fan that little faith in her. So I said, okay, Scarlett. So I went back and I actually went back to the backpack in the car. I happened to have three Grace Bomb cards and I put them in my jeans pocket. We went in and it was fun. We were just catching up on the highs and lows of life as a first grader and her dreams of being Olympic gymnast. And when we left, we Grace Bombed uh, some neighbors. It was an elderly couple ladies and they were in the line behind us and we paid for their meal. So first Grace Bomb away. That was an anonymous Grace Bomb. And maybe, maybe your grace bombing adventures might need to start anonymously, and that's okay. It's still a fun thing to do. These gifts are no strings attached, and so it's kind of fun. And Scarlett was wondering about how they might have received that. So we hop in the car, and Chris, or Scarlett then says, Dad, can I also grace bomb my Awana teacher later with a Starbucks gift card and a cake pop? I said, okay, Scarlett. So we picked those things up, and now she was going to ha have to deliver that second grace bomb on her own. And then we dropped the kids off. And then it's kind of like, okay, parent wind down. Kristen and I get a spot out on the back patio of our favorite barbecue place called Chad's Barbecue. And the lights are twinkling that night. It's a really fun night outside. And our server comes up, and she says, oh, you know the last couple who sat here outside? They left without paying their check. And Kristen looked at me and I looked at Kristen and she kind of had like a twinkle in her eye. And I thought maybe that was because I was looking handsome that night. But then she said, no, I think we should grace bomb our waitress. And then I quickly agreed 
yes, we should grace bomb our waitress. And so we did. So on the way out, we left the check, we paid for our check, and then we put an extra amount in that would cover the amount of the people who left with a little note of encouragement and the last grace bomb card that I had on me. And we felt good, you know, we felt like we were walking in our purpose doing that. And we left, and as far as I could tell, that was the end of the story. But about a month later, when I went in to Chad's Barbecue to pick up my to-go order of wings, which is a regular occurrence, I went in and for the first time ever I met Chad. And Chad's the owner, the maker of the special sauce. And then I met his wife, Christy. She came right up and she said, hey, that was a really cool thing that you did for our server. Uh, thanks for doing that. Oh, and by the way, I'm part of a business network that I really like to spur on people loving their neighbors. So could I use Grace Bomb and get some cards and share it with people? And now I didn't know where Christy was spiritually or anything like that. We hadn't unpacked Ephesians 2 or Matthew 5 or anything. But I thought here we are having a conversation about Grace in the middle of a to-go line. Sure, by all means, take Grace Bomb and run with it. Because why not perpetuate the conversation of Grace? And as far as I knew, I got my to-go order, I left, that was the end of the story. But then, uh, probably a month or two after that, I receive a letter in the mail entitled Grace Bomb. And Christy had sent a letter to her entire business network here uh, in the surrounding communities. And what she did was really fascinating. She gave all of her staff team, she's, a real, she's in real estate, she has her own staff, she gave them $100 bills, grace bomb cards, and she deployed them to go love their neighbors. And she had each one of them share the fun thing that they got to do. And what they said after they regained um, you know, their collective experiences was, this really made us start thinking differently about our neighbors, having gone through this grace bombing exercise. She shares all of that in this letter that I'm reading, like, how cool is this? You know, this one little intentional act of love really started to ripple out. And I thought, wow, how cool. And as far as I knew, that was the end of the story. But then a few more months go by and I'm in church and I'm giving a sermon kind of like this one, but I'm in a building, not outside my house, no cars. But I look back in the back of the chapel and I see kind of in the back peering over, not seated, but against the wall, Christy. Chad's wife, who had done that whole grace bombing experiment. And the service concludes and she comes forward and she says, I just wanted you to know that I found a new church home. And it's because of the whole grace bombing thing that really got me back walking towards Jesus. And I said, Christy, that's awesome. That's so cool to hear. I'd love to hear your story sometime. And a few weeks later, we sat down over coffee and I got to hear her story. So about 20 years prior, Christy was a part of a small group of young adults who had started going to a youth group at a church. And she was interested in, in God and starting to move towards Jesus. But then tragedy struck that group of friends when a guy named Charlie was tragically killed in an act of gun violence in the middle of the night at a Dunkin' Donuts in Maryland. And it broke her heart and the group of friends began to disband. And she started to ask questions. God, are you even there? God, do you care? Like, how could you allow a good, you know, bad thing happen to this good person? 
Then, to put the nail in the coffin, a couple years later, Christy gets married, full of hope and, and positivity, encouragement about what the future is going to hold, because her parents had been married for a really long time, and she was expecting a long and enduring and fun marriage, but then she got the wind knocked out of her sails by an unforeseen divorce. And at that point, she just turned away from God and did not talk to him for 20 years, until about the time a little girl ran up to her dad's car one Wednesday night and ultimately said, Dad, you know, we should grace bomb somebody while we're out. And it was really sweet. Christy went back to church and she investigated the faith that she had left behind and she dug into the questions of, well, is God really there? And does he really care? And how can we know that Jesus is who he claimed to be? And when she found positive affirmation for those things, she said she found peace and relief and a release. And she wanted to then tell the world about that through a baptism. And so Christy was going to get baptized and she said, Pat, can you baptize me? I was like, sure, we do that kind of thing in church. And she said, could Kristen and Scarlett come and be a part of my baptism? Can they be there? I said, absolutely. Because you know, it wasn't lost on Christy, that that whole chain of events had begun with Scarlett's little innocent desire to take Jesus seriously and grace bomb somebody. That caused me to put some cards in my pocket that ultimately led to going to Chad's barbecue and paying for somebody's skipped out check. But that act of intentional love motivated by Jesus went deeper into the plans of God, ultimately drawing back a daughter who had been walking away for 20 years. And it was so sweet, and I'll never forget it, because right when we were getting ready to baptize Christy, she waved Scarlett over and handed her a gift in a little blue bag. And Scarlett then pulls out this frame of this framed poem, The Starfish Story. And right there before she got baptized, Scarlett's reading this. If you never heard it, the poem goes, an old man was walking on the beach one morning after a storm. In the distance, he could see someone moving like a dancer. As he came closer, he saw that it was a young woman picking up a starfish, gently throwing them into the ocean. Young lady, why are you throwing starfish into the ocean? The sun is up, the tide is out, and if I don't throw them in, they're going to die, she said. But young lady, don't you realize that there are many miles of beach and thousands of starfish? You cannot possibly make a difference. And the poem ends by the young woman listening politely, bending down, picking up another starfish, throwing it into the sea and saying, well, I made a difference for that one. And with that inquisitive little grin, Scarlett looks up and Christy says, I was like the starfish and you're like that little girl. And it just goes to show you that sometimes taking Jesus seriously in what seems to be something simple or every day can dive deep into the plans of God, bringing a joy that no one saw coming. And I can tell you, I was overjoyed. And wow, since Christy was baptized here in our county, she has been on a tear of grace bombing adventures. It's been really great to see. And while we're going to see cool things like that happen in our community or our city or our neighborhood, because cool things happen when we take Jesus seriously, especially starting with the bar of loving our neighbor, right? That's getting us in the game of the Great Commission. 
we see this high and lofty goal of making disciples from here to the nations, baptizing and teaching, and that seems so far away, but we put on our training wheels, we get our grace bomb card out, and we start getting on the road towards that and strengthening those faith muscles that perhaps some of us have never even worked out before. And that's the proposition. The proposition is when you make grace bombing a habit in your life, you will grow spiritually. Why? Because your awareness of your neighbors is going to grow. Because your prayer life is going to demand to be grown because you're stepping out of your comfort zone. And there's a, there's a gap in between knowing the right thing and doing the right thing. And that can be filled with meaningful prayer that's also going to strengthen you to carry out your purposes and walking into those good works that God has prepared in advance for you. More than that, your discernment on what God's trying to say to you is going to grow. Listening to the tug and the nudge is becoming better aware of the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life, and that's going to get stronger. You're going to get stronger in your giving, in your stewardship, realizing that God owns it. I'm just managing it. And wow, it's fun to bless people. And God doesn't want me to go broke blessing people. And so therefore, I'm going to have to grow in my overall stewardship so that I can be extravagantly generous. And while all of this is happening, we're going to be growing in our witness for Jesus. Because the more time we spend outside of our comfort zone, the easier it is to live there. I'm not saying... You're going to be there all the time, but I am saying when you take intentional steps to break into your neighbor, into their life, into their day with love, it's just a matter of time before they ask the question, well, why are you doing that and where did this come from? And then you're, in, you're into a very natural conversation about grace, about having been a, a recipient of grace and being called to be the light of the world and to give that grace away practically, meaningfully, and lovingly. So before I close in prayer, I would actually like you to do two things. Number one, I'd like you to load, listen, and let her go. I'd like you to experience some of the adventures of Grace Bombing. And if you need more ideas, just go to gracebomb.org. We share the stories there. And I actually would love to hear yours because Hebrews 10.24 tells us, let, her, let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good works. And so we want to hear how God is leading you, how you used your time, your treasure, or your talent in a manner that surprised your neighbor with love. Because if you were led to do that, maybe somebody on the other side of the country can be inspired by what you, by what you did. And so I'm going to ask you to share some of your adventures with us. You can share right there on gracebomb.org too. And it's not about bragging. It's not about boasting. It's about spurring us on how God is leading you. So that's the first thing. Let's have some adventures. And the second, real quick before we pray, is to take 30 seconds right now to listen. 30 seconds to quiet your heart, distill your mind, and to consider or even think about your next door neighbor person at your bus stop who is across from you in the cubicle, your barista, or the person who's behind you in line. Ask the Lord to bring those people to mind because perhaps, just perhaps, they might be the neighbor who's intended to be the recipient of your obedience to Jesus. So take that 30 seconds now.
Thanks so much for doing that. And I'm going to be praying that you have boldness and courage to get your grace bomb on. With that said, would you pray with me? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's great to be with everybody. See you real soon.